This is a space for you to be able to define your own character through, through your own actions. And that's not just Colorado Springs. I feel like you can do that in a lot of communities, mm -hmm. but I certainly feel like this is one of those communities. Milton E. Proby is my father. So why is there a street named after my dad? And how did that come to be? It's a pretty big street, too. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a parkway, but he was uh, our state's leading authority on civil rights. My father knew Dr. King, and Coretta and MLK III came out and stayed with us and would come visit our church. And individuals came out adamantly screaming and opposed to this because they did not want the street renamed. I personally received hate mail and at my home, right? And over a street. Over a street name acknowledging African-Americans in our community. When Dr. King died in 1968, he was the most hated man in America. Let that sink in for a moment. He was the most hated man in America. We talk about thinking outside the box. What happens when we think like there is no box? When we think without limitation at all? When we think nothing but abundance? What matters to us is trying to dress human beings and help people feel the best they possibly can. Welcome back to the COS Business Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on our show. We have Mr. James Proby with the Men's Exchange. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing really well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about being here. So uh, I love the opportunity to be able to sit down and, and engage in all conversations around Colorado Springs. Yeah, well, this is exciting times right now. We have a, a mayoral, uh, the, the, the race is on. Um, it's going to be in April. So yep. we have some very exciting candidates in there. Um, we wanted to dive in a little bit more. But so before we do all that, let's kind of peel things back. And for those who might not know who you are, tell a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm James Proby. I'm a Colorado Springs native. Uh, I'm the founder and chief ethos officer of a business called The Men's Exchange. Uh, the Men's Exchange is a men's clothing store that focuses on men's business and dress apparel in Colorado Springs. Uh, we're a little different than most men's clothing stores. Everything in our shop has been donated. Everything goes out to dry cleaning. Once it's been cleaned and laundered, it comes back to our shop. Anybody can shop with, and just about everything in our shop is $50 or less. So full suits, matching jacket, matching pants, same color, dye lot material. Suits are all $50. Sport jackets are $40. Shirts are $10, slacks are $10. We do full sizings and fittings with everyone. So we do all of your measurements, write them all down, give them back to you, talk with you about how things should fit on your body. And then for about every nine or so people that shop with us, we get to dress one person in our community at no cost. That's awesome. And what was the precipice behind you starting the Men's Exchange? I've, I, I know you quite well. I know that um, we have, well, for one, for women here, we have like the Women's Resource Agency. We have a lot of different resources. So I know there was a precipice for you to kind of aim towards helping men out in our community too and help, helping them get clothed, especially like you have the Gen Xers, you have the Millennials, who might necessarily not even know how to tie their own tie, right? right? Absolutely. So uh, I was on the board of directors for the nonprofit of the Women's Resource Agency, which no longer exists. It is gone. Um, but I was also the national director of career services for a for-profit college. And that meant that I had 20 schools in my purview in seven states. And in all of those communities across the United States, there were zero resources to help men get dressed in a business and professional manner at little or no cost. And after doing more research, it didn't exist anywhere in the country. And after spending some time with... Uh, with uh, Jonathan and Stacy from the Institute of Social Impact, um, 
I heard them talk about social impact businesses and it really resonated with me. I spent a lot of time working as a board member, as a staff member, as a volunteer in the nonprofit spaces. And it seemed like a great way to create unrestricted funds and to be able to impact your community in, in the best way with the highest intent. So we started doing that. Between that and uh, my other beef about Colorado Springs, obviously I just got through saying I, I work in a lot of other communities. Uh, this is my hometown. This is where I choose to live. This is where I opt into. And the number one complaint about my, I have about my hometown is the way that human beings dress, right? And specifically men. We have the worst dressed male population in the country, and I'd be willing to put that out there, right? <laughs> um, guys here dress horribly for everything. You hear that guy's calling you out. I, I make it as clear as I can. Like guys dress terrible. We are under the impression that somehow a hooded sweatshirt is acceptable to wear for everything. And when you think about a hooded sweatshirt, it's something you should wear in a gym. You should wear on a hike. You should wear while working out. But you should not wear it at dinner, at breakfast, at drinks, on a date, to, to the Philharmonic, to church. I mean, all of those things become unacceptable spaces, right? Um, we are a community that that feels like if you're if you're going out for cocktails or you're going to have a martini, you should also have on a sturdy hiking boot because you might end up doing bar trail or the incline right. at six at night. Um, that's asinine. And when we look at the way that women dress in our community, even when they have limited fashion sense. Uh, you can see the effort that's been put into it, right? The effort that women put into the way that they look, getting their hair done, getting their nails done, um, makeup that happens daily. We go through this entire, before we even get to the clothing, and we literally talk to men on a daily basis beyond clothing, but about grooming, about the fact that you need to shower and brush your teeth daily. You got to comb your hair daily, like these, which seems like it's rudimentary, but as you point out, we've got two generations of men that, that that is not the case for. And it's trying to figure out how do we help everyone evolve to a better space? How do we help individuals in our community um, dress better, present better, show up better, anchor our community in, in a more fundamental way to start? Um, just the, every, every individual that's throughout our community. And then also, how do we remove clothing as a barrier for individuals that financially can't afford to do so. And so that's where this whole thing kind of, this stew came together and we were able to come up with the men's exchange. Pardon our interruption, but we wanted to talk to you about one of our really great sponsors, Planet Duct. Andrew, tell them a little bit more about them. Planet Duct, they have an air duct, they, they are an air duct cleaning company here in Colorado Springs. They're premier air duct cleaning company, meaning they have the highest quality of equipment that you need and up to all the standards, all the, the regulations and past that. PlanetDuck.com is their website if you want to check them out, if you have any air duct cleaning needs. So our next sponsor is a little festival, a little one, Marcus. Like a tiny house? Yes. <laughs> yes. The next sponsor is the People's Tiny House Festival. It's a full-on display of simple living. They have tiny houses there. They got van conversions, school bus conversions, vendors from all across the front range. And we have food trucks, fun yard games, and it's a festival going on July 2nd, actually July 1st through 2nd, 2023 at the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland, Colorado. Check it out, peoplestinyhousefestival.com slash tickets. Tell us a little bit more about our next sponsor, who's a really good Mexican food restaurant in Colorado Springs. And they have a couple locations as well, yeah? Yeah, they've got a few locations in town. And they have an episode on this show if you want to check 
Check that out too. El Super Taco, you can get some really amazing authentic Mexican food sourced locally and fresh cut every day, fresh cut meat every day. That's the El Super Taco. <laughs> nice. Where can they find them? What? Well, there's there's a location off of Hancock and Academy, and uh, the, there's a location over by Cheyenne Mountain, and there's a location in Fountain, and they have a new one opening up near 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 uh, nor- the north the north town. Yeah, I think it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's Woodman and Mark Shuffle. So check that out as well. So our next sponsor is a pretty amazing marketing company called Recon Marketing. Tell us a little bit about that, Marcus. Recon Marketing. I'm the co-owner with Brett Curley. That's a company that got started three years ago in the wake of COVID. Professional marketing agency. We do social media management, web design services, SEO, and photography as well, and videography. So full-service marketing agency. If you want to know more, visit us at reconmarketingservice.com or hit me up after the episode. You know, <laughs> Our next sponsor is a really great sponsor. They focus more specifically on inventory and helping you out with theft of your tools. Tell us a little bit more about Power Tool Safe, Andrew. Power Tool Safe, they help you manage, like you said, they help you manage, manage your tools and make sure that you are prepared when disaster strikes because it is likely to strike because tool theft is a, is a major issue and it happens all the time, especially with contractors, but you can obviously use this for any business if you have a lot of tools, but that's Power Tool Safe. Uh, check them out, powertoolsafe.com.com. And if you would like to be a sponsor of this show, reach out to cosbusinesspodcast at gmail.com, and we can figure out what that would look like. We can create custom, customized sponsorships. We have a foundational sponsorship package where we shout you out just like we did on every episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great sponsorship. And we also want, like to have you on the show, too. If you're a sponsor, you kind of get to skip the line. The next day, uh, new episodes, you have new updates with your company, maybe some events that you're doing or whatever. So look us up. We'll be happy to, to talk to you about sponsorship. We're excited to meet you. So you know I run Recon Marketing, but one of my favorite aspects of marketing is video. And there's no better company that I can think about as far as creating everything from con- like inception all the way through the process of a storyboard of a, of a brand than Vima Visuals. Tell us a little bit about your company, Vima Visuals, Andrew. Yeah, Vima Visuals, video production company here in Colorado Springs. Although we will travel wherever we need to go for video production. We mostly focus on doing uh, marketing, branding videos for businesses to help them grow. That could incorporate video is basically anything visual. So whether it's graphic design, video production, 3D animation, uh, graphics all around, on top of videos with the focus on core focus on marketing videos branding videos for companies uh v-e-h-e-m-e-n-t for the audio listeners <laughs> well we'll get back to the show right now oh, that's awesome man and was your family a big precipice like growing up did you have to dress up like to go out anywhere like with your family was that something that was instilled in you early on in your life i would tell you that i think it's generationally i think generationally and, and it really if you just look at pictures um the way that that and let's just start at, at 1900 okay if you're looking at pictures in, in from 1900 uh the way that individuals dressed to go to church to go to weddings to go to to drinks to dinner to just about everything is better than the way we dress now mm-hmm. they had less money less resources less clothing options and opted to present themselves in a better way and if we move forward decade over decade, even through through the Great Depression in the 30s, when people showed up, they showed up 
in putting forth their best effort and putting forth the best version of themselves as they could as they were trying to find employment because they knew how competitive the spaces were, right? In the 1940s, as we're moving into a war climate, everyone is doing their best to look the best they possibly can, right? Um, we do the same thing through the 60s and the 70s. I got my first job in, in, in the mid-1980s, and the uniform, working in a movie theater, and we're not talking, you know, high-end white-collar job. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was working as, as, a, as a ticket taker at the movie theater, as a doorman at the movie theater in concessions and then the, the box office at a movie theater. Um, it was black or navy blue slacks, a white shirt, a tie and not a clip on and a sport jacket daily like that's that was what i wore every day at 16. so i think as a society we have gotten way more lazy in the way that we present i i shot a video for our instagram which we do quick reels on there and i pointed out that we've become so lazy as a society society and so used to seeing everyone in sweats that when i show up in a pair of jeans people asking me why are you so dressed up I'm like, I'm wearing jeans. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not so dressed up. It's not like I'm wearing formal wear. Um, with that said, uh, my father, uh, Reverend Milton Proby, pastored the same church for 47 years, and there was a standard in the Black Baptist Church. And that standard was Sunday best meant your Sunday best. And there was um, certainly a level of elegance and class that happened, and that bordered on, on, on rakishness. Um, it got to a space where it almost got to be ostentatious and, and beyond in those spots. But uh, my father, I am way dressed down in comparison to what my father used really? to wear. Oh, my God. My dad would, would, would mow the lawn prior to me mowing the lawn. Um, I, I think the most casual spaces, he, he might take off a jacket or a tie, but not both. I mean, it's a guy who would literally wore, would literally mow the lawn in dress shoes and, and slacks and a shirt and tie. Um, that would be a cool picture to see. It, it's, <laughs> it was a little ridiculous. Um, I was probably early teens when we bought my father his first pair in my lifetime of athletic shoes. Like, he just didn't wear tennis shoes. It was dress shoes to every single thing on the planet. Um that was not just the case at, in our church. That was the case at, at all Black Baptist churches across the country. There was no such thing as a casual moment in those spots. So I grew up in an environment where that was that was normative. That was what normality looked like. Mm-hmm. Or, and so we wanted to make sure that we... I, I leaned into those spaces, right? Um, and even as I got more casual, because public school was a little more casual environment, I... I'm the guy that wore sport jackets and, and ties and bow ties and hats and stuff to school. And that got started due to positive reinforcement. So, What is, it, what is the feeling that you get when you, when you dress well? Because I know there was a slogan. I don't know if it's your actual incorporated slogan with the men's exchange, but you talk about um, that you sell confidence mm-hmm. for men. And I love that. So talk a little bit, unpack that a little bit for us as well. Um, yeah, we, we don't sell clothing. We sell confidence. Um, the reality is when you are dressed appropriately and you step into spaces, you step into spaces with your chin raised higher, with your chest out further, with your shoulders back more. And I'm blessed that I get to see it every day. I get to dress men who have not put on this style of clothing, get fitted in it, told how it's supposed to fit, 
so that they're in something that fits them and then watch them step in front of a mirror and look at themselves with fresh eyes um, and see the dynamic change that happens in, a, in that nonverbal instance, right? You get a chance to see the way that they look at themselves. We get a chance to see when they come in with their significant others, how their partners look at them and go, oh my God, you look amazing, right? Um, we get a chance to see that daily. But we also get a chance to recognize that uh, this past year we had a, a young man who came to us who was transitioning out of the military. Um, he came in because I, I knew his mother and I addressed other members in his family and he needed to get dressed for a job interview. He got, he told me what the interview was. We got outfits appropriate specific for what he was going into for an interview. Um, it was in the defense contracting, contracting field. Um, he was going for We'll call this a tier one job, right? Um, which was a significant bump in pay from what he was doing in the military. And we got him dressed appropriately. He shows up for the tier one interview. He goes through the interview process. He gets done with the interview and they offer him a tier three job. And he said, wait yes. a minute, I'm, I'm here for this tier one gig. And they said, no, we want to put you in a leadership role. And we want you in leadership because you display and you represent and you present yourself in a way that we think is going to have an impact on the individuals around you, right? So we're talking about a jump that moves from, from that moves him into a six-figure salary, mm -hmm. right? It, it advances his career by no less than five years and, and a significant income. And we didn't change any of his skill sets. We changed how he's perceived. Mm -hmm. And that perception lets everybody else know this is what the standard's going to be in this organization, right? Um, we get so wrapped up in wanting to wear what's comfortable for us that we forget the fact that um, implicit bias and thin slicing and rapid cognition, all the things we talk about in prejudice come into play. And the way that we're perceived really does impact our futures. And so when we talk about that, when, when individuals know that they're appropriately dressed, when they know they're wearing what they're supposed to, the confidence level goes up. And then that allows your personality, your skill sets, who you are to shine in a different way. And that's not just in a business sense. Um, that same thing holds true in, in dating and in social circles. Um, I am not of the generation that that dating was taking the five best pictures that I can of myself, curating those, cropping those, running them through six or seven filters, then posting them online and saying, this is who I am. Uh, I grew up in the time frame when it was uh, to, to establish a relationship. I had to walk into a social environment, school, bars, nightclubs, whatever, church, and in that social environment, um, I was immediately stacked up against my competitors one-on-one -on -one for, for attention, for affection, for any of those things. So I had to look the best I possibly could and then speak to someone with the best possible intentions or, or to be as humorous or as intelligent or as captivating or as charming or whatever we had to do. All of us had to do that. And I think that's one of the things that kind of we miss a little bit out of. We, we kind of, we slide a bit. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, it's so hard. Like, I think that, you know, we're moving as a society something closer or further away from that, right? The human connection of uh, meeting somebody in person, social settings. Now it is behind a screen or it's a dating app or any of those things. How do you see us solving that issue? Because you're right, like wearing a suit and presenting yourself and we're social animals. We're always going to be social, like a connection. This is why we do, this is why Andrew always instilled like this, this podcast has to be in person. There's something to be said right. about in-person connection with one another. So when we talk about um, natural selection, right? We talk about the evolution of, of human beings. Um, when you, those individuals who, who get selected naturally, there's, there's always going to be the most pretty people, whatever the standard of beauty is in the world at that time, what we're dealing with right now or whatever. Those individuals are always going to be pretty for whatever reason, and they get a chance to do that. But I'm also a huge belief in, in the space that there's no substitute for effort, right? So I've been eternally writing this book on relationships, and I finally settled on a title on it, which is there's no substitute for effort. And... I sincerely believe that it is it is a mindset that comes from a mentality out of out of sports um, and in the sporting universe no matter what sport you're playing there's going to be somebody bigger stronger faster more talented than you are but you can control how much you work and are you willing to outwork everyone else are you willing to put in a better effort than everyone else right um, when we're talking about terms of natural selection it becomes really clear when you sit down to have a conversation with someone, are you listening, are you processing, are you speaking in a much more connective way? Did you, when you showed up, how did you show up? I mean, how did you show up? It's really straightforward. Like, I, I would tell you that if you showed up and I, I show up on a date and I can see you put zero effort in the way that you chose to show up for me, that limits our opportunities really quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, really quick. I tell women all the time, um, you know, I'm sick of guys showing up in hoodies and, and, and Crocs and sweats. Don't sleep with them. Don't reward negative behavior. It's real. It's really straightforward. And I can tell you that the guys, the guys that, that we grew up with, you didn't comb your hair, you didn't brush your teeth, you didn't dress in a way. Uh, you got zero opportunities to have a conversation with a significant other or partner. You had to put forth your best, your best effort. Um, and even when your best effort isn't akin to somebody else's best effort, you are stating by action by deed, by the content of your character, this is who I am and this is the effort that I'm putting forth. And let's transition that into the employment spaces. I'm not, I, I, had, I had someone come by six months ago, eight months ago, ask me for a job, explain to me all the criteria of all the places where they'd worked I've sold suits at this company and I've dressed men at this company and I've done this and this and this. The way you walked into to our shop and the way you presented yourself is not someone that's ever going to represent our brand. A suit shop, nonetheless. <laughs> A suit shop, nonetheless, right? Yeah. Um, you're never going to represent my brand showing up dressed like this. You're not going to represent this community. You're not going to represent social impact looking like this. That was a real quick conversation. No, thank you. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we can talk about what should be, and we can talk about what is. I understand the should be's of the content of someone's character should be the most important thing. Skill sets of can you do the job should be the most important thing. And I'm going to tell you, for someone who has worked in employment services for 15 years of my life, um, those things matter. But you don't get you don't get to first base if you don't get up to, to the home plate. And you get to home plate by showing you have the skill set to be able to stand in the batter's box. You have to prove to not just me, but everyone around you, that you have the social skills and the social adeptness to dress yourself appropriately, to groom yourself properly, to not put on too much perfume or too much cologne, but also not have body funk everywhere, to make sure that that you can fit into each um, social, cultural environment of, of organizations, of community. And that's, that's part and parcel to this entire thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, just on my drive over here, I was uh, thinking about three years ago was the first th- first time I ever put on like a, a mm-hmm. blazer. And I remember like feeling so like out of place because I hadn't ever my whole life. Like, right. It, it felt like I was posing or something. It felt like I was like wearing something that just wasn't me. But then I was as I was driving today here, I was wearing this. It has become me. Right. This is, this is who I am now. Like, right. So it's like it's interesting how we can adapt our appearance as well uh but i i i notice when i go somewhere you do get different looks right you get treated differently you get treated differently (laughs) yeah and it's it's really awesome like you know even going in a come and go you you actually feel really out of place in a come and go (laughs) right 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 (laughs) yeah yeah so we got a guy that that we dressed and we dressed at no cost we were dressing him for an employment opportunity he um he had never he was 45 years old, had never owned a suit, worn a suit or a sport jacket in his life, but had an opportunity to drive for um, a limousine service, transportation service, needed to wear a black suit for it. We helped him get dressed for it. Um, We talked to him about some grooming options that would help him in his interview process. He did those things, got the job, and then came back and shopped with us over and over and over again, constantly buying stuff. And he shared with me some of the most enlightening things on the planet. He got a haircut. He trimmed up his facial hair. Now he's wearing a uh, suit tie daily. He said, you know, I've come, I went to the exact same convenience store, 7-Eleven, come and go, for the last six years, and no one notices me. Now that I wear a suit and tie um, in there daily, over half the time the people that work, everybody talks to me. Over half the time the people give me my coffee for free. And every time when I walk in, somebody opens the door and holds it for me, calls me sir. And he's like, these things never happened to me over the last 40 years of my life. And now it's a daily occurrence, mm-hmm. right? Um, additionally, it, he's a guy who, who's made this massive career shift. And when we think about it, I am, again, we're not talking about a massive white collar job. We're talking about Someone who's driving. Mm-hmm. But the opportunities that got presented to this guy and where he's driving and who he's driving has completely changed. His income level has changed. The perceptions of him have changed. Like all of that goes into play with, with how we take this evolutionary stance. Mm-hmm. So getting back to your statement, Marcus, how we're going to be 
there are ebbs and flows throughout all of humanity. Um, you, you cannot have left without right. You cannot have up without down in, in this sphere of relativity where we live. Um, those individuals who stand out are those individuals who show up differently and make an effort in a different way, right? That is not my rules, that's nature's rules. That's natural selection's laws, right? And as we start to see individuals who make those efforts and show up in a different way, they're provided with different opportunities. That's socially, that's professionally, that's all of those things get a chance to change. And uh, we, are gonna, we are going to, as a species, continue to select and opt in to those individuals who put forth an effort. So true, so true. Well, let's talk. Um, let's talk about you know, you've been there for. Did you start in uh, 2017? You opened up the shop at in Men's That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's been some other new shops that have opened up on Tejon on yeah. the same street as some yours really cool as stuff. well. So talk a little bit about that. Do you see them as competition? Do you work with them? Do you work with it? Let's talk about this for a little bit because I know you probably have some some good insight about you know. You've had them on the podcast. Actually. Yes, <laughs> scarcity versus abundance type of mindsets. Yeah. Let's talk about this. So there are three men's suit suit clothing stores on Tejon right now. There's Rutledge's, there's Inherent Clothier, and there's us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Rutledge has been in town for forty years. Uh, known him for a long time. Jerry is mostly retired and and has you know mostly passed the business on to someone else, who is less engaged in trying to figure out how they make all of us better, mm-hmm. how they make Colorado Springs better, how they make community better. Um, there is an engagement of how do we maximize profit and, and take advantage in this space, right? Um, in the time frame since we've opened up, Taylor Draper and his associates have opened up Inherent Clothier. And I get asked on a regular basis, is, is this competition? And when we lose all of us when we as a society lose the mentality of competition and we gain the mentality of collaboration great things happen to all of us right when we lose the mindset of scarcity and we realize the mindset of abundance that there is more than enough for all of us when we recognize the fact that hundreds of thousands of people in this world die daily from starvation and that we throw away millions of pounds of food daily, it, we understand it's not a question of, of scarcity. It's do we care and are we going to take action? Are we going to put the we in front of me? Are we going to realize that the God in me sees the God in you and understands that there's a connection between all of us? And the sooner we're willing to make that, to remember that we're bonded, then we can begin to start to solve the problems. Um, we love Inherent Clothier, and I spend a great deal of time referring people down to them. If you're going to get a custom suit, go see them, right? This is a great space where you get a chance to have something tailor-made for you, for your body. You pick the liner, you pick the material, you pick the fabric, you pick the lapels, the cut, the fit. Do the whole thing, right? And then a portion of their proceeds goes to help individuals with mental health issues and help men deal with some mental health spaces. So they opened up after us. 
we have promoted them. Um, we, we this year just did our very first for 2023 um, Best Dressed Men in Colorado Springs calendar, right? Men's calendar. So we've got uh, 14 men in our community that we want to uplift and point out that these are guys who are doing incredible things in our community, showing up in spaces appropriately dressed, but also putting the we and the us ahead of themselves, right? It's amazing to be able to showcase and shine a light on individuals that are doing that. One of the guys that we have on that calendar is Taylor Draper. So Taylor, who's one of the founders of Inherent Men's Clothier, is on our calendar and we champion that guy. And I'm not on our calendar because it's not about me in that space. It's about we in that space. So we, we want to uplift them. We want to point out that they're doing amazing things. We want to, to stand in their corner and applaud them because there isn't a scarcity, there is an abundance, and there is opportunity to help us all reach our goals. All of us get a chance to, to get better through connection, through union, through, through teamwork, through collaboration. Um, we love that. We absolutely love that. Um, it, is, it is the spaces that we want to, we want to uplift and we want to champion. Yeah, I love that. I think um, there's a lot here, but I I love that some like the whole abundance mindset of like a, a rising tide raises all boats. Right. But for a while here, I felt like our downtown had a kind of an identity crisis of who it was trying to be. Um, and for a long time, there wasn't much to do. To, at least that was the the perception of downtown Colorado Springs. I feel like that's been changing for the past five years or so, or maybe even longer. It's been longer than that. So Susan Edmondson at Downtown Partnerships uh, has has really been the tip of the spear that has been changing our downtown community. And she's been doing it for a decade. Um, she's been doing it for, for 12 years now, I think. Um, and there was a time frame where we saw more shops shuttered downtown than we saw shops open in downtown, right? There's a time frame when the only things that were open in downtown were nightclubs and bars. Um, there were very few clothing stores. There were very few businesses. It was a challenging space. And now we're at what I believe is, is a plus 90% occupancy rate uh, in downtown Colorado Springs. We have got lots of cool restaurants that are down here. From a guy who, who's a Colorado Springs native, um, the number of, of really cool local businesses and restaurants that we could go to was really limited for a lot of mm -hmm. years. And now we've got so many cool spaces that we can that we we can get involved in, right? Obviously, nationally, the food truck scene has been a thing that's happened so that individuals don't have to have brick and mortar, but they can test out food concepts and see how well they go. Um, but when you add into spaces like like the well, right, mm -hmm. where we've got annually new restaurants that get a chance to to check out the viability of of different products and goods and services and then transfer those over to permanent brick and mortar rather than a temporary brick and mortar. That's an amazing concept. Mm -hmm. It's called the well? The well. We were oh. there last weekend. We we yeah, were? we went there. Mm -hmm. Bar, oh, okay. restaurants, <laughs> coffee shop, also social impact, part of the philanthropy collective collective. Um, amazing. Amazing. So downtown is vibrant. Um, the artwork takes a huge part in that. I, I'm blessed to sit on the board of directors for Downtown Ventures, which does um, 
the art walks that we have downtown mm -hmm. and and art on the streets that we have downtown the mural projects and and the sculptures the flowers and the planting that we have going on there changing some of the street streetscapes with trees that we have in our downtown area um, as well as ghost story tours and skate in the park and um, all of these different things that we do that are wonderful points of interest in downtown Colorado Springs, right? That focus specifically on 80903. We've got such a vibrant, connected uh, downtown community. And there have been so many individuals that were pushing against that. Like, I don't want to vote for more things from Z for City of Champions because I don't know exactly how it's going to end up yet. None of us know how anything's going to end up, mm -hmm. but you step into the spaces and the do, you do the best you can. And so because of that, um, Widener Field is open and mm -hmm. Switchbacks is rocking and mm -hmm. we got incredible stuff in that. We've got the Olympic and Paralympic Museum and that is an amazing draw in space. I mean, even even if you never set foot inside there, it's beautiful. the architecture is is outlandish. It's absolutely amazing, right? Mm -hmm. So parks, facilities, restaurants, stores, shops, the vibrancy of what we do in downtown, and it's not just the classic traditional businesses. There are co-ops that we have in there. Uh, Perry Bolton and Eclectico does amazing stuff that we have an opportunity to be involved with. First Friday Art Walks are also incredible that we get to be involved with. There's so much stuff that goes on downtown that if you're not down here experiencing it, you're probably missing out. If you're simply living in your cul-de-sac and you're part of the suburbs, you're probably missing out on some great stuff that's down here. It's mm -hmm. so true. And yeah. for a while, I felt like it was like that, like these little pocketed areas, because I'm from Northgate. Like yep. Northgate, no one left Northgate, because Northgate, for the by and large, had everything that it wanted up there. Yeah. Or the West Side, or downtown Powers security. Corridor, right? Powers Corridor, yeah. Right, so how do you, part of the conversation that we have in everything we do is, how do we get individuals from the Powers Corridor to come downtown and check things out? And and by the way, this is a huge part in our community because we are a transient community. We are a, a community of individuals that, with five military installation, installations, mm -hmm. um, and individuals getting permanently changed of station, PCS, um, every every two to three years, you're here for a short period of time and you move on. Mm -hmm. And there is a great deal of comfort in knowing that when you walk into a Coles in North Dakota, it's the same thing as a Coles in Kansas, and it's the same thing as a Coles in, in Texas, right? I understand that. Walking into to McDonald's, it is primarily the same experience anywhere in the world. It takes on some slightly different changes when you're in, where you can get a beer in, Mc, in McDonald's in Germany. That changes things up a little bit, right? But it's the same kind of vibe, right? Mm -hmm. But you miss out on the flavor of the community when you're not hitting local restaurants. When you go to Bed Bath & Beyond versus going to Sparrowhawk, you're missing out. Because Sparrowhawk is ridiculously cool, right? If you are only going to Kohl's and you don't go to Eclectico to find clothing, you're missing out. Because that's an incredibly cool environment. And every time you walk in there, it changes and it's different. Those are the things that matter the most in the spaces where we can we can really connect and understand what Colorado Springs as a community can be about. So how do we get individuals off of just powers 
or off of just down by Fort Carson or off of just Northgate and to interact in this entire community and understand what happens in downtown and in on the west side and in Manitou, as well as other small owned businesses that are throughout those suburban areas as well. Yeah, it's so important. Well, Andrew, I mean, you're one of those people who was like first moved here a couple of years back. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about this town, and I mean, I've known you for a long time now. I was the, part of that City for Champions. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I loved that time in our history of our city. But one of my favorite things about this town was that I felt like if you're a young person and you're hungry to do more for your community, have a bigger impact, it was really easy to get linked up and connected in this community as opposed to like a Denver or a bigger city where you know you have to probably spend a few years trying to you know garner the right connections and all these different things but like here like it's really easy and that's a really great great thing about our city is it's really easy to link up with really great people who are doing big big things in this community so talk a little bit about like I know like you've only been here a few years but you've made a pretty big impact like with the show and everything that you've done too as well yeah yeah I mean I, I think it's it can seem easy, but it still takes effort, you know, like it's... That's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely take, takes takes the effort, but there was those... I put in the effort a little bit, and then things start showing up. I start learning about connections like Million Cups, which is where I, I yeah. first met you. Yeah. And, you know, I remember seeing you all dressed dressed up nice, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk to that guy. <laughs> and that, I remember I was probably, you know, wearing uh, a sweatshirt, you know, mm-hmm. and go into these networking things, not even considering, you know, dress, dressing nicer uh, because I just that's that's not how I grew up, you know, and yeah, uh, the, the the to to be able to connect with so many people when when I first came here was was huge for me. Right. But but I still had to go out there and see. This was the only city that I really did that in, so I haven't really got to try that in Denver or something else. But I do, I still do feel like I could do it in Denver. <laughs> but I don't, so I don't have like a barometer of knowing how easy it is here or, or not but i do know it, it still takes effort and you have to have uh ambition to do something more you know <laughs> truth yeah so there's that old saying you got to show up to go up right yeah yeah <laughs> so the first step is getting out of bed mm-hmm. the second step is showing up in spaces right mm-hmm. the third step is connection marcus you point out the fact that we're social creatures it's what we're here to do um if you take a baby that's a newborn you can put it in an incubator. You can give it all the things that it needs to sustain life without having human touch and interaction. It's going to die. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We need that. Mm-hmm. It is an essential portion of who we are. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert talking specifically about where you recharge your batteries from. Right? Do you need to recharge alone or do you get recharged by being with other people? Um No matter those things, if you are an outgoing person or someone who's a bit more reclusive, right? We all need foundational connection. We need that bond. We need that union, Mm -hmm. right? So I felt that here in Colorado Springs. And so additionally, when you show up with the energy of I am here to connect and I want to give, Mm -hmm. it is the rules of abundance that when you give, you do receive. When you give in genuine and earnest, the amount you receive is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. If you want money, give it away. Yeah. Because the, it's the experience of knowing that I've had this to give this to somebody else that's in need mm-hmm. that creates that copying machine in the universe and it returns to you tenfold. Mm-hmm. And doing so not grudgingly and not as a trick, 
but knowing this is something that I have more than enough of and let me give it away. That that was the start of, uh, that was the idea of this podcast actually. Uh, because when when I first had the idea of the podcast, I was, I instantly knew like this is the thing because it was giving like we don't charge people to be on the show right. like and it was giving my skills like what right. I offer you know so <laughs> so when you when you showed up at one million cups you felt an energy that was in there mm-hmm. right it was when it was buzzing really right really so <laughs> we were doing a bunch of stuff at one million cups we had a hundred people in that room every week it was rocking nonstop, but you could feel the space that was in there and the individuals that were there, even those that showed up with I'm here to take, quickly understood how to be here to give, mm-hmm. right? So you specifically leaned in and started giving. Mm-hmm. And when you started giving, things started rapidly changing for you. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm saying that because uh, I don't know 100% of your story, but I know when I know when I saw those things happen with you, mm-hmm. I know you started giving and I know that people started started championing you mm-hmm. and started saying, here's the person you need to talk to and will you come do this and let's go do that. And I see you here and I see you giving this. That's how your business got an opportunity to get foundational and start exploding, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I attribute a lot of uh, my success to this podcast. So in that, it is not just about your skill sets. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about showing up, making an effort, caring, and giving. Mm-hmm. And it's not 100% of your success, yeah. but it does create the opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think that that happens here in Colorado Springs without a doubt. Oh, yeah. um, I will tell you that I think that's harder to do in larger cities because when you get to New York City and there's 9 million people, oh, for sure. <laughs> um, people are interested in survival, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the massive way that you can connect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also when you are in the smallest of small towns, everybody knows everything about you the second you land on the ground. Mm-hmm. This is a space for you to be able to define your own character through through your own actions. And that's not just Colorado Springs. I feel like you can do that in a lot of communities, mm-hmm. but I certainly feel like this is one of those communities where we are, um, you know, one of the 40th largest cities in, yeah. in the country. And you have an opportunity to have all the amenities that you would find in most of your major urban areas um, while also still having a connection small enough that mm-hmm. you can have a personal relationship with the mayor. And, and I've, I've heard this a lot. A lot of people have said this verbatim, actually, like I like Colorado Springs because it's like a big city with a small town feel. Right. And I've heard that lots of people say that. And we and, call it Smallerado <laughs> Springs for a reason. Yeah, OK, I've <laughs> not heard that, but, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one thing um, that we definitely want to talk to you about because it's uh, there's a certain street with your last name yeah. here that um, I drive on it every day. Our buddy Edgar actually <laughs> behind the camera lives right off of that street. Nice. But yeah. So tell tell the audience is there uh, is there a relationship between you and uh, the name of Milton E. Proby? Yeah. So um, Milton E. Proby is my father. Um, my father. Uh, so why is there a street named after my dad? And how did that come to be? It's a pretty big street too. <laughs> it's 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 a parkway, so it's it's, it's 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 you know, it's a big it's a big project that is only going to get bigger. It was the mm-hmm. transportation project of the year in 2011. Okay. So it was the the 
biggest transportation and most successful transportation project in the state of Colorado in 2011. Nice. Okay. Connected right to the airport. Right to the airport, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And going to continue to grow. So my father was uh, the pastor of a Black Baptist church. He pastored the same church for 47 years, but he was uh, our state's leading authority on civil rights. So my father knew, um, knew Dr. King and Coretta and MLK III came out and stayed with us and would come visit our church. Uh, my father was a, a political and social figure and knew individuals in all those realms, but he was the first chair of the Human Rights Commission for the state of Colorado. He was first chair of the Civil Rights Commission for the state of Colorado. He was the first civil rights advisor for any governor, and he held that post for four different governors um, over the course of, of 30 years. Um, he was, they, they flew the, the flag over the nation's capital for him on two separate occasions. We used to get Christmas cards from the White House, depending on who was in White House. Um, we have been invited as a family and as individuals, he and as us as a family, to, to White House inauguration and congressional inaugurations. And it is, it is an incredible environment to be involved in, right? Colin Powell used to be stationed here. Uh, in Colorado Springs, and he used to come over to the house on the weekends, right? Um, it is, and those were things that, that we grew up with in my household as, as normalcy, right? Um, I didn't think that that was abnormal at all. I just thought that's what everybody did. So he was a foundational space. He and several others are currently, um, for the next week or so, on the cultural corridor in downtown Colorado Springs on Pikes Peak, where there's banners and QR codes where you can learn about lots of our African-American leaders that have been foundational to the success of Colorado Springs. Um, that is also something that Susan Edmondson and Downtown Partnerships and, and Downtown Ventures has done in creating the cultural corridor that we talk about our LGBT community and the things that they've done. We talk about women's rights and our women's founders. We talk about um, Asians and Native Americans and, and our Hispanic, Latino, Latinx populations that have been foundationally essential to creating this community. And we want to champion those leaders that are in those spaces. So when the opportunity came to name a street after my father, we want to back up to, to 1982, my father tried to get Fountain Boulevard named Mountain Luther King Boulevard. He wanted to try and get it renamed. Um, in that, it passed the Planning Commission with a unanimous vote and was shot down in city council by a unanimous vote. And at that time, there was an African-American member on city council um, who then ultimately ended up being, when, when, when we had a mayoral change, he was the first African-American mayor we had, but he was never voted into that position. So Leon Young was never voted into being mayor. He was vice mayor. But Leon Young chose not to vote for... Um, naming a street after Dr. King. So there was a great deal of pressure pr placed on him to, to vote a specific way, but that bid failed. And in that, there was a lot of hostility and a lot of nastiness. And then we fast forward to, to 2010, when we're trying to get a street, re a street named after my father. The first option um, was was trying to get Fountain Boulevard renamed Milton E. Proby Boulevard because his church sits on the cross streets of uh, Prospect and Fountain. 
uh, in the Hillside neighborhood. And that went through planning commission with a unanimous vote, four. And then it gets to city council and one individual voted for it while the rest voted against it. And we run into another scenario. So when we think about how much we've grown or haven't grown over 30 years in recognizing the achievements of ethnic minorities and what they've done for this community, um, we run into some giant, giant issues, right? So people think that that was just a smooth process, and it wasn't. It was one of the most hotly debated issues in this town. It was one of the high, at the time, it was the highest attended public forum city council event in our city's history. And individuals came out adamantly screaming and opposed to this because they did not want this street renamed. Um, I personally received hate mail and at my home, right? Um, and over a street. Over a street name, acknowledging African Americans in our community. Yeah. Right? And we're talking 2008, 2009. Right. That's mm-hmm. when all of this was was coming through. We had leaders in our community that after it was shot down by the mayor and city council, um, we had a different government style at that time. We didn't have a strong mayor style. We had individuals, uh, Lauren Kramer, who used to be the chief of police and then became our our city manager or city clerk. Um, Lauren is is a phenomenal human being. And you don't always love what, what Lauren says, but you always respect it because Lauren says it with, with reason, with logic, with intentionality. Um, he is a, an amazing guy, right? And has served our city in a massive, massive way. Um, Lauren said, we got a project and I th- we, we need to resolve this. Can we get together and talk about this with our committee? And literally the following Tuesday, following the vote, he brought it in, set it down and said, here's an option where we can rename. There's a project that's going to be done. It's already been approved. It's already been done. Let's name Milton E. Proby Park. Let's turn this portion into Milton E. Proby. And um, there's no funding issues from taxpayers. It's already been done. Let's figure out how we can get this right. And it was through his idea that that was the catalyst for this whole thing to be able to synthesize the way that it did. Um, it's amazing what we can what we can do when we reach for a yes rather than reaching for no. And even though we went through this hardship and heartache of of Fountain not being renamed uh, to support African American leadership in our community, something greater steps into it when we have the right individuals at the table who are willing to figure out solutions. Mm -hmm. And that's how that came to be. I was involved in that project from the very beginning and all the way through, through its, its groundbreaking and its closure. Um, It's the closure of the other project and, and, and the award ceremony for it being the transportation project of the year. Um, It is the gateway to our city. And now Mayor Isaac, the terminal is named after Bob Isaac, and the street going in and out is named after my father. Those two guys were friends and did a ton of stuff together. Um, Mayor Isaac's kids and I are incredibly close and have known each other for years. We went to junior high school and high school together um, and it maintained amazing relationships through that. It's amazing what we can do when we choose to figure out yes ands rather than no buts Mm -hmm. 
in in Kansas City, there's a there was a main street. It was like Prospect, I think, or, mm-hmm. or Paseo. Paseo. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I figured you might because there's probably other things going on in the country that were similar to that project. I bet. Uh, but yeah, they renamed Paseo, like 2015, something like that, to Martin Luther King Boulevard. And I bet there was a big backlash on that. I I I just know that it changed, and I was like, oh, I know that I knew Paseo my whole life. And so, so yeah, <laughs> the challenge is that when we think about Dr. King today, we talk about. We think about him in this angelic, white, frilly, laced kind of space, right? When Dr. King died in 1968, he was the most hated man in America. Let that sink in for Mm. a moment. He was the most hated man in America. When King Day first came around as a resolution, we still had 10 states, 12 states that refused to adopt it. And not just your your classic Jim Crow states of Alabama, Mississippi, right? Um, But Arizona, right? That is, that's the spaces that we, we don't talk about from our own history. And that dooms us to repeat the exact same processes. It is taking the time to suggest that our community our state, our country, was not built exclusively by rich, white, male landowners, right? The railroads that connect our country together, if we did not have Asian workers putting spikes in the ground, if the Chinese were not intricately involved in that, our country does not exist, right? Um, if we don't have enslaved African-American labor, we don't become the richest nation in the world. If we don't commit genocide and steal land from the Native American peoples, right? Mm -hmm. Then we don't have the vast expanse westward that we do as a nation. All of these are not easy stories to tell, but we have to educate this and every generation on what we've done. And other countries around the world do a better job of it. In England, they address imperialism in a different way and say, we did this, it was shameful, let's not ever do it again. Mm -hmm. In Germany, Um, they talk a great deal about Nazi Germany and point out this is the havoc we've wreaked on the world and let's not ever do this again. And we, as an American people, currently, right now, fight every single day. Every school board in Colorado Springs right now refuses to teach the entirety of history refuses to teach what's been labeled critical race theory because we refuse to talk about what does slavery look like from the view of the enslaved people? What does westward expansion look like from the view of the Native American? Right? What does internment camps look like from an Asian perspective? It's not right or wrong. It's let's teach the totality of what we've done so that we can have generations of leaders moving forward 
that are not damned and doomed to make the same mistakes. How can we fix policing in our communities? Well, we can't fix policing in our communities by addressing it the same way we have for the last 200 years. We can't address engagement in our communities the same way we've addressed engagement in our communities the last 200 years. We can't teach educationally exclusively white male doctrine when we have such a strong female and minority-based communities. And while all those communities have told their stories privately behind closed doors into one another, um, and it helps create separatism and animosity, this is an opportunity to talk about things in a much more transparent space. Yeah. So that's where this thing comes into play with my father. It is less, it has always been less about my dad in particular for me. It has been more about how do we recognize the achievements of ethnic minorities and what this community has been made from through the fabric and the weave of all these different people in this melting pot that have created this. And I think we've done, we've done a good job and we can do a much better job at telling those stories. And it's because we have individuals like the El Pomar Foundation who has the Milton E. Proby Cultural Heritage Room and inducts a new member into it every year. Like the mural that's inside the courthouse that El Pomar also helped fund that when you grab the pamphlet, you get a chance to see in the body of all those children are the achievements of ethnic minorities in the Pikes Peak region, right? It is the cultural corridor of, of Colorado Springs that, that Downtown Partnerships and Downtown Ventures is, is putting into place. It is ethnic stories that get told and told again through the Ent Center for the Arts. It is all of these spaces and more. And it's shameful that School District 11, that School District 45, that School District 20 refuse to tell the stories of our history. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. That's great. So we gotta, I got to ask, what's next for James Proby? That's always the next question, right? It's yeah. uh, the journey. The journey that you are on, the journey that I am on, the journey that we're all on is realizing when we become enlightened, we realize that we are not um, we're not bodies on a spiritual journey. That we are in fact spirits on a physical journey. That we are souls that have been placed inside of a body, and we are here to remember, interpret, create, and grow. So when we think about uh, biblically being told that, that we are made in God's image, um, we have taken that too literally, in my opinion, and suggesting that God is somehow humanoid. But in a more spiritual sense that we are God created, and we are here to create. And I would challenge you to think about your own lives, that every single one of us is most alive, most connected, most inspired while we are creating. It's while we're creating things that we feel so, and it's creative in teaching. It's creative in drawing and art and music. It is, there's a reason why music connects all of us together in this, in this inexplicable way, right? 
Um, it's when we're creating that we feel better and it's creating things. And some people that's creating spreadsheets. It's creating a new way in Excel, right? It's tracking funding and spending and accounting. And that is a creative process in and of itself, right? I'm not just talking about artwork. I'm talking about when we lean in and create. And then when we create in connection is when we understand the creative process and the union between all of us. So for myself, um, it is figuring out the pain points of our business, expanding where we get a chance to do that. How do we expand that reach into other communities? How do we not limit ourselves? We talk about thinking outside the box. What happens when we think like there is no box? When we think without limitation at all, when we think nothing but abundance, and how can we allow other communities to access this? How can we create a women's exchange and, ha and support a female entrepreneur who wants to do this in a female version, right? Um, and we use the words male and female, by the way. Uh, the men's exchange is a safe space for our LGBTQ community, right? Um, we dress human beings. So straight gay, black, white, Jew, Gentile, non-binary, trans, none of that matters. What matters to us is trying to dress human beings and help people feel the best they possibly can. If you choose to come in and be an asshole, you might get asked to leave. If you come in with hate speech, you, ha you, you really have a high likelihood of being asked to leave and not mm -hmm. come back. But um, we have had a great opportunity of having uh, a 70-year-old Catholic couple that was getting dressed for, Catholic Latino couple that was getting dressed for a cruise, and we had someone who identifies in the non-binary trans community that was getting dressed at the same time, and the amount of love and support that was given in those spaces by individuals who traditionally would not be in the same space mm -hmm. is, helps, is what community is about. Right. That's what we want to do in the spaces we want to anchor. So there's a lot of stuff like, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book. At some point, I will dedicate myself to doing that more so. There is always opportunities for our community to create more connection. And I want to be involved in those spaces as well. Um, the opportunity to expand the men's exchange as as a business model for other communities to be able to remove clothing as a barrier for advancement in those communities, also something we want to do. Um, creating a, a women's exchange, also something we want to fundamentally be involved with. Um, creating a, we, we are really far down the road on creating a, uh, uh, a federal apprenticeship for sewing and tailoring and altering clothing. Um, so individuals can get paid while they learn how to sew and alter clothing as well as creating uh, cosplay outfits and, and creating industrial designed clothing. Um, we want to be able to lean into those spaces as well. So it is always a space for us to try and figure out how we live in the areas of yes and. Love it, man. Well, is there anything else you have, Andrew, on your end? Um. I still have your uh, card that you that uh, you gave me when I was getting fitted, actually. <laughs> and and this jacket is so stellar, it's unreal. Ah, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So people, when they go into your, uh, I almost said store. Is, would it be store, store? shop? Okay. Yep, yeah, whatever. Shop. Uh, 
they they actually get fitted by you for free too, right? Like Correct. You, you show them how, because I didn't even know my measurements and I'm sure they've probably even changed since then because it's been over a year. <laughs> that is why there's a date on those cards yes. because <laughs> bodies tend to change. Yes, they do. Right? Yes. We, we learned that during COVID. Um, <laughs> COVID-19 plus or 19 pounds yeah. <laughs> plus or minus 19 pounds. Um, yeah, you get a sizing card. So when you come in, we do full sizings and fittings with everybody. We mentioned that earlier. <clears throat> that means we're going to provide you with measurements mm -hmm. and then talk with you about how things are supposed to fit. We write down all your measurements on a card. We give it back to you. We don't retain any of that information. Um, we leave you with the responsibility of doing so, so that mm -hmm. when you do come back to shop with us again, we're gonna ask you, do you have your sizing card? Mm -hmm. um, but it also means that if you're going to shop anywhere else, you're going to know what sizes you are. It came in handy when I had a wedding. Right. <laughs> and so additionally, um, it's not just about us. It's about how do we empower each individual to be able to go out and buy clothes that fit. Mm -hmm. And so that you know how things are supposed to fit. We've got, we've got two and almost three generations of individuals who don't know how clothing is supposed to fit mm -hmm. because they've never had anyone teach them how to do that. Right. Um, it goes along with two to three two, two to three generations of individuals who don't know how to tie a tie. Mm -hmm. And although I've been tying a tie since I was 12, year old, 12 years old, it was the standard for me. Um, we teach guys every week how to tie a tie because they've never done that. And we try to make that easy and do some online videos on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube so that we can remove the stigma and shame that's around it. But how do we create environments where individuals can come in learn and get better so it's not just about the clothing with us it's not just about the sizing but it's also about helping to provide an education for all those that actually want to learn and to know how do we get dressed and how do we show up in things that are going to fit mm -hmm. yeah 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 and i, I really appreciated that because uh you know clothes actually look really good when they fit right right it's a whole <laughs> different thing yeah yeah because I, I had a uh a blazer, you know, it worked, but it didn't look as good <laughs> until I had that that fitting. So that was, I thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. And so we would actually like to come down to your shop and maybe even add some video to this video. Um, I don't know like what your availability is like that or I mean, uh, we can talk about that afterwards. But but yeah, I just wanted to, to bring that up and let people know that uh, you're right there on Tejon. Uh, it's, it's Tejon, right? Yeah, it's, Tejon, it, it's yeah. on. It's at 409 North Tejon. Sweet. Um, no matter how many times we change dropping a pen on Google Maps, it always drops people off in the alley. Mm. But it's at 409 North Tejon. We're just north of Tejon and Boulder. Mm -hmm. I laugh and joke with this all the time because people are like, dude, I'm on Boulder and I'm lost and I can't find your <laughs> I can't find your space. And I'm like, they're looking right at it. Do you, <laughs> do you know what our address is? Like, yeah, it says 409 North Tejon. I was like, well, maybe we should be on Tejon and not Boulder. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a starting place. Um, but yeah, we just want to be on Tejon, literally across the street from the Chase Bank, just north of Tejon and Boulder. Um and right in the heart of downtown Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. um, we're closed on on Sundays and Mondays. And while our professional hours are 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, the doors will lock by 4.30 p.m. Because it takes time mm -hmm. to be able to be sized and fitted in clothing. And we don't want to rush that experience for anybody. Mm -hmm. We don't want that to be a terrible experience for anybody. We want to be a very wonderful and, and, and special thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the doors lock 30 minutes early. Um, 
The same thing happens on Saturday. We're, we're open from 11 to 4. The door is locked by 3.30 p.m. Because mm-hmm. we want you to be in the building for this experience. We actually did a, a, a short reel video on, on Instagram before Christmas saying, <clears throat> you know, if a store's hours say that they're open till 9 p.m., don't show up at 8.45. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're open. You should be on your way back out to your car at that point. Mm-hmm. And it is trying to help individuals and consumers become more aware and be more cognizant of the fact that individuals have been working for eight, nine, ten hours a day to serve you. They would also like to get back to their lives. Mm-hmm. They'd like to go home to their wives, to their kids, to their husbands. They want to go back and, and fall down down uh, uh, a hole of watching something on Netflix too, right? Everybody wants to have their own lives in those spaces. So how do we be a little bit more considerate in those spots? Now, I understand that, you know, sometimes emergencies happen and you got to run in and get some diapers at Target just before you get out of there. Totally get that. Okay. But when at all possible, have some consideration and think about the other human lives that you're touching and how do we show up with the, with the appropriate amount of time that I can, I can really enjoy this experience. That's yeah. awesome. Where can we find you, man? Um, you can find us on Instagram, which is the men's exchange. You can find us on Pinterest, which is men's exchange. You can find us on Twitter, the men's exchange. You can find us on Facebook, the men's exchange. Um, there is no E in front of exchange on any of those. The website is the men's exchange with no E in front of exchange.com. If there was an E in front of exchange on any of those and you run that all together, it is no longer the men's exchange that becomes the men's sex change. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally different website. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, our own website. If you uh, Google, if if you're not finding us, you're not trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet. LinkedIn. Like, we're, we're all the spaces. Dude, thanks so much for coming on thanks. the show. This has been great. And like, I consider you a, a luminary in this town and your family and everything that you guys have put into this town and instilling a great foundation and holding young men and young women accountable, which I love. Like that, I felt like that was part of this message today too, which is so good. Cause I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of things we can talk about, but not often do we really hold people accountable for looking nice to upholding themselves to a higher level of themselves, being the best version of themselves. That's what it is. So thank you guys for doing this, right? And and having us, but also um, being able to to shine a light on so many different businesses throughout the community and shine a light on the community itself. And for us, our whole space is we we're going to challenge you and ask you to be the best version of yourself today. So our our actual slogan used to be today I'm going to be the best man I can be, and then members of our LGBTQ community came in they they know that we have a safe space they know that they're welcome there and they came in and spoke up and said um it would be greater for us if this said not be a better man today but be a better human today so then our sizing cards and our business cards have reflected that change and will reflect that change moving forward right um how do we figure out spaces to be as inclusive as we can of people right how do we put the Jew and the Gentile in the same room and, and hug everybody, right? How do we wrap our arms around, around uh, our Muslim brothers as well as our non-believers, right? How do we wrap our arms around men, women, and those who identify as non-binary together, 
how do we create spaces where we understand that as human beings, we are 90%, 98% the same and 2% different? How do we lean into the spaces of, of allowing individuals to be the best versions of themselves? And that's not living up to my standard of what you should be. That's helping you understand that you can be the best version of yourself and how do we get to help in that. So thank you guys. Love it. Well, we can end it with that. Thank you again for coming. We love it. We appreciate it. Everything. I know you got to open up the shop. I got to open the shop. So thank you guys. (laughs) So thank you guys. We'll see you guys on the next one.